Our scripture reading this evening is Psalm 17. In the shadow of your wings, a prayer of David. Hear a just cause, O Lord. Attend to my cry. Give ear to my prayer from lips free of deceit. From your presence, let my vindication come. Let your eyes behold the right. You have tried my heart. You have visited me by night. You have tested me, and you will find nothing. I have purposed that my mouth will not transgress. With regard to the works of man, by the words of your lips, I have avoided the ways of the violent. My steps have held fast to your paths. My feet have not slipped. I call upon you, for you will answer me, O God. Incline your ear to me, hear my words. Wondrously show your steadfast love, O Savior of those who seek refuge from their adversaries at your right hand. Keep me as the apple of your eye. Hide me in the shadow of your wings from the wicked who do me violence, my deadly enemies who surround me. They close their hearts to pity. With their mouths they speak arrogantly. They have now surrounded our steps. They set their eyes to cast us to the ground. He is like a, a lion eager to tear, as a young lion lurking in ambush. Arise, O Lord, confront him, subdue him. Deliver my soul from the wicked by your sword. From men by your hand, O Lord, from men of the world whose portion is in this life. You fill their womb with treasure. They are satisfied with children, and they leave their abundance to their infants. As for me, I shall behold your face in righteousness. When I awake, I shall be satisfied with your likeness. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Hey, thanks, Laurie. It is always really, really good to be back at The Way. Um, if you haven't met, my name is Michael. I'm the other pastor that uh, The Way sent out to plant bridges in Alhambra. And uh, this evening, we're looking at Psalm 17. And so my hope is that really wherever you're coming from uh, this evening, uh, if you've been a believer in Jesus for decades, uh, if you're not quite sure what you believe, or if you just flat out reject the claims of Jesus and Christianity, uh, my hope is that you will be able to find this psalm relatable because it's about doubt. Uh, it's about a guy who looks out at the world and he sees people that he's envious of, situations that he's outraged or just simply broken over, circumstances that are just absolutely terrifying, that feel like death. And so he believes in God, and yet he's also incredibly honest about the fact that sometimes it is just hard to keep on believing and to continue to trust God in light of circumstances that just feel crushing. And so when we turn on the news and we read literally just about anything that makes our news feed, from what's happening uh, in Ukraine right now or the brokenness in our own community, or maybe it's even just the loss and the longing that we feel so acutely in our own lives, all right, maybe you doubt. Maybe you doubt the God of the Bible or who Jesus claims to be, or maybe you doubt who you want him to be. It simply doesn't match up with uh, what you've experienced personally in your own life or what you observe to be true about just the way that the, seems, the world seems to work. And the psalmist in Psalm 17 is honest about the fact that faith in God is just not always easy. 
but there is hope. And what the psalmist is hoping in, what the Bible offers in the face of all the brokenness that we see and experience in this world, it's a hope that's assured. The hope that we're called to is actually founded on something that is absolutely unshakable. And ultimately, it is a hope that satisfies. Listen again to how the psalm ends in verse 15 when David says, as for me, I shall behold your face in righteousness. When I awake, I shall be satisfied with your likeness. Now, would you pray with me as we jump in this, this afternoon? Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we praise you again for the ability to come into your presence. Father, you have gathered us here this evening, and we all come with the same desperate need, and that is to encounter the living God of the universe. So we ask that through your spirit, through your word, you would give us hearts to receive this good news that you have for us this evening. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen. All right, so at the start of the pandemic, uh, it was toilet paper and water that were really hard to come by. Then we moved into hand sanitizer being pretty scarce. I think there was even a season where people were freaking out there might be like a bacon shortage. Uh, Most recently, I've heard of people that are buying up computer graphics cards, because those are kind of hard to come by now. Uh, But when things in our world seem so unpredictable, when we start to sense our own control starting to slip, It is only natural to then wonder, are we gonna have enough? Like, will we be okay? Will we be able to find what it is that we need when we need it? And looking back at how most of the world dealt with scarcity and fear of the unknown during a pandemic, at the panic buying and the hoarding, I think it was actually just incredibly revealing for how, I think a lot of us, myself included, tend to navigate life. There are so many ways that we desire to be filled and to be satisfied and to be okay. And we can go to some pretty extreme lengths to try and find that satisfaction. Like who has never felt just the need to fit in, right? to find acceptance from maybe the right friend group or maybe that right person. And maybe this felt need has caused you to diet or pick up hobbies like pickleball that you never thought you would pick up. Uh, but it's fun. I mean, sometimes this is good. There's good things that happen. Uh, who's ever felt uh, maybe the need to be seen and viewed as successful, right? Or worthy of the respect and admiration of maybe your peers, maybe your family. Maybe this felt need has led to things like really, really long hours at the office to neglect of some of those relationships you value. But we are all looking for some form of acceptance, to know that things will be okay, or that we'll have enough, really that we'll be satisfied. So maybe you can resonate with the pain that the author of this psalm, King David, when you have unmet desires, right? These things that you crave that just go unmet, that you long to be hidden, you wanna find refuge and safety like David is praying for here in verses eight and nine. I didn't know it, until it was taken away from me, Uh, but I spent the better part of a decade building and finding my satisfaction and my identity in my career. Uh, And if you were at The Way, when I was back at The Way, you're probably wondering, when is he gonna tell a story about China? And this is that moment, kind of, so. um, I don't do it every Sunday at The Way, or at Bridges, you can ask Richard. But um, 
Uh, uh, if you don't know, my wife and I, we were missionaries in China until we were kicked out by the government back in 2014. And so we had like a month to figure out what are we going to do with our lives. And so we kind of scrambled. We ended up uh, moving to Atlanta, this incredibly gracious family who we're still very close with took my wife and our one-year daughter at the time into their home. And so they had this garage apartment. So Stella just did her best impersonation of Harry Potter. She lived in a closet for a year. And uh, as we looked back on this year and kind of reflected, uh, my wife Beth and I realized both of us were probably dealing with PTSD. And we were probably still super weird when we showed up at the way uh, as well. So um, it was a difficult year in a lot of ways adjusting to life back in the States. And, uh, but you know what the, the hardest thing, uh, at least for me, that year was? It was walking downstairs from the upstairs apartment and inevitably meeting new people and them asking me, oh, what do you do? And for the first time in a decade, I had no answer. And so I would kind of mumble something about finishing up my seminary degree thinking I was kind of in the clear, and then they would ask me, well, where do you live? And I would kind of mutely point upstairs. I mean, I was not in a good space. And uh, I'm thinking, these people probably think I'm on work release. Like, who knows what they're thinking about me, but I got to get out of this conversation. And this was the hardest thing about that year because I realized just how much of my worth, value, identity that I placed in being a missionary and it betrayed me. I thought that my identity as a missionary would satisfy me, but it could not bear what I was asking it to bear. I thought my job would provide what my family needed to be okay and to be stable and that we would always have enough. And this is the paradox that King David finds himself in as he's writing uh, this song, this prayer to God. In, verse, in Psalm 17, he believes in God He knows intellectually that verse one, God hears him. Verse six, God always answers him. Verses eight and nine, that God is more than able to protect and defend him. But yet what he observes to be taking place in the world has shaken him and it has him questioning if God really is there. If he really can save, like if what he allows or doesn't allow into his life really is good. If God can bear the weight of his identity and his hope, he's wondering if God really can satisfy him. And even though David's identity was the king of Israel, that wasn't enough to keep him from fear or even doubt. It wasn't enough to satisfy his needs to be protected and accepted and to be okay. And he knows from his own past experience, he's seen God do unbelievable things in his own life. He knows from everything that he has read and heard from others that God really is powerful and able to save him. He even knows, he's convinced, this God who created me treasures me. Yet it's hard to remember and to believe again when your immediate circumstances feel like death. Like, I knew intellectually that my true identity was not really wrapped up in my career. But when we lose something important to us, or something that we love and value and treasure gets threatened, maybe you're like David, and you wonder, God, do you see me? 
Do you hear me? Do you know or do you even care about what it is that I need? Maybe it's as you've lived through the uncertainty and the fear of the past two, three years, like however long this thing has been going on, and as the world seems more and more unstable, maybe you started to question things like, is there a God? And if there is, like what bearing should that have on my life? When you look at the world, you see brokenness and death, and then there's the pain and the unmet desires uh, represented even in this room tonight. We don't have to look too far to see what it is that David sees here. That there are some things, many things, in our world and in our own lives that are just simply not right. There is injustice, there is loneliness, and there is poverty, and disease, and depression, and sickness. You know, you could go on and on. And all those things might lead you to the conclusion that there's, there can't be a God. Or if there is a God, he is certainly not worth following because he seems indifferent or very powerless to intervene. David's psalm opens with, with him remembering how he has been faithful to the Lord. David sacrificed for him. David's kept his commandments. Sort of his reward for that is, and now my life is in danger. And on top of that, he looks out and sees people who have no regard for God or his law, and yet they seemingly have everything. They've got the families, they've got the wealth, they've got the children. And as David compares his life to theirs, it makes me wonder if David might have been thinking, I wonder if this is worth it. I wonder if all that I have given up to follow and trust God with my very life, I wonder if it's worth it. I wonder if following God really is what will satisfy my soul because those people over there who have put their trust in themselves and in their careers and their families, they seem to be doing pretty well. Have you been here before? If you're a Christian, maybe you read verse 14 and think, maybe people who are not trusting in Jesus are onto something. Like, why am I continuing to trust in God to provide for my needs and satisfy me when it would be so much easier to marry someone who doesn't share my belief? There's a lot of really nice girls or guys out there who I'm pretty sure would make great spouses. So why should I keep waiting and trusting in God to satisfy my good desires for a family or a relationship when I can simply take matters into my own hands? When I talk to friends who are not Christians, one of the most common objections I hear to them uh, not trusting in Jesus is, you know, my life is pretty good. I kind of have what I want, and I'm kind of navigating this on my own. I don't really see a need for Jesus. Again, we said the author of the psalm is King David. Like, he literally had it all. Multiple wives, multiple children, wealth, wealth status, power, fame. David achieved everything the human heart desires to the max. And yet he still cries out from a position of great need in verse six when he prays, I call upon you, for you will answer me, O God. If King David was aware of his need beyond all of the things, all of the people, all of the relationships that he had amassed, do we really think that any amount of money or recognition or family will truly satisfy the deepest longings of our hearts? Longings to be known and accepted, the really good desires of, of a family or a fulfilling career. 
David is trying to save all of us some heartache this morning because even if we chase down all of the worldly accomplishments and possessions and even relationships, they were not designed to satisfy you and they will not support the weight of your needs because you were created in a state of need. Even before we broke fellowship with God by distrusting that he really did know what was best for us and what would satisfy us. That's exactly what happened in the garden with Adam and Eve. They disobeyed his command not to eat from a certain tree because they thought, he's gotta be holding out on us. That looks way too good. Like if we had that, it would be enough and we would be okay. But even before they broke fellowship with him, they were in need. They were in need of him. They needed God to provide oxygen and food. They needed the earth's temperature to be regulated just so. They had relational needs that were met not only in God, but in another person that God provided. And we, just like our first parents, Adam and Eve, we were created in a state of need. And so we see two things that David is urging us to acknowledge if our hearts are ever going to be truly satisfied. And for us not to be undone by unmet desires or to live lives that are just marked with uncertainty and fear, but lives rather with unshakable hope and certainty. David shows us two things, two ways that we can respond. The first is in verse six, and that is we need to acknowledge our neediness. That's what the Psalms are, if nothing else, is an acknowledgement of need, right? We need to make our needs known to God. And we actually see Jesus, he actually invites this in a lot of, a lot of times, a lot of ways, but in Mark chapter 10, he approaches blind Bartimaeus. Then he asked him, what do you want me to do for you? Jesus knew what Bartimaeus needed and he knew what he was longing for, but Jesus actually in kindness invites him to acknowledge to Jesus and to be honest about his need before him, the one who can heal him. Friends, this is just a sweet invitation to know and be known by Jesus. He already knows that we're needy. He doesn't demand that we get ourselves cleaned up and become self-sufficient before we come to him because he knows our situation is way beyond fixing on our own power. And no matter how together our life seems, even if we achieve to the max, the spouse, the family, the career, we do not possess on our own what it takes to heal ourselves of our God-given need. We cannot earn our way back into that relationship with God before sin entered the world. And we try, right, to be sure, through our serving, our causes we support to kind of justify our standing before a completely holy God. But we see in Romans 3 that every single one of us, because of that sin that we have, we fall short of that. We can't, on our own, get back to that state where there is perfect relationship with God, face to face, with his glory on full blast, where he sees and satisfies every single one of our needs in him. So what's the solution? Right, what do we see here in David's prayer that actually does give us hope uh, to find what our hearts are longing for? How can we be sustained and satisfied now when it is so hard to believe, either for the first time or to keep believing amidst everything you're facing that Jesus really is sufficient? that he really is worth following and obeying and truly finding your life in. And the answer is in verse 15, where David writes, as for me, 
I shall behold your face in righteousness. And when I wake, I'll be satisfied with your likeness. Uh, We were created in a state of need, and we will never not be needy. And praise God, if you are feeling that need more acutely as the economy is squeezed and as life seems maybe more fragile or uncertain than it has in a while, David is recognizing here that no matter how much he has, no matter how much he can use what he has to sort of insulate and protect himself from death, depression, loneliness, anxiety, he is recognizing he will always need that sustaining power of his Savior. The remedy to fear and want are the only things that will satisfy your deepest longings to be okay is the very presence of God himself. As for me, I shall behold your face. I shall be satisfied with your image or your form. You see what David's saying? He's saying, I see that I was created in need. I see everyone else out there, men of the world whose portion is in this life, they have everything. They have the children and the generational wealth and all the needs and the longings and the desperate desires that I have to find satisfaction in this world through things like relationship or status they really only serve to point me to my eternal need. And that is to find my very life in my creator, the one who created me in the universe and sustains me with the very word of his power. God wasn't holding out on King David by withholding something that appeared to be vital for his life. And he is not holding out on you either. Because he knows what will bring you life. He knows what it is that will satisfy you. He knows that his presence, he himself, is the only thing that can truly satisfy you. But because we willingly turned away from his presence, the only way for us to be brought back into that presence was for Jesus himself to be cast out. Jesus had to be denied the presence and the fellowship of his heavenly father on the cross so that he could make a way for you and I to be welcomed back in. David's longing here is for God to keep him as the apple of his eye, to hide him and protect him, to not only be close to God, but to have that assurance that God treasures him at all costs to himself. And this is exactly what David is so sure of, that, that God really does see him. God really does see you that way. God sees him, he sees us as the most precious thing in the world that he would lay down his life for, to protect And this is exactly how Jesus found the joy to go to the cross. Jesus set aside protection, went out from under the protective wings of his father because he knew that was the only way for you and me to be able to see him face to face, to experience real intimacy with him and to find our very identity and our satisfaction in him. And chances are, as we're coming out of this pandemic, you're experiencing a longing right now to be reconnected socially with friends and with family, to be physically present with them. And the past two years have done nothing if not show us uh, how relationally needy we are. We have a savior in Jesus who experienced infinite social isolation on the cross. We don't have a distant God. We have a savior who can sympathize and cares about whatever you're walking through today because he experienced what pains us like no other person has ever experienced. And he's the only one with the power to do something about it. The only thing that will satisfy us 
is the presence of Jesus. And for that presence to be made available again to us, our sin had to be dealt with. And as Jesus was on the cross, that was the punishment our sin deserved for turning away from fellowship and relationship with God, being satisfied in him, looking for satisfaction in other things. All of that judgment, all of that wrath, the punishment came down on Jesus and his father turned his back on him for the first and the last time in history. That is what Jesus went through so he could welcome you back in. And so if you ever feel like God doesn't see me, I don't know how I'm gonna keep doing this. I don't know why he's hidden himself from me. You can look at the cross and you can see and you can know you have a God who cares. You have a God who sees your hurt and your pain. Not only cares, but he experienced that to the max on your behalf because he does love you and he longs for you to be in his presence. Jesus can not only handle those doubts that maybe you're experiencing tonight and are crying out to him in desperate need, but he actually welcomes it. He gives us a book to open up in the Psalms and to model for us how we can cry out to him. He can handle your doubts. That is the savior we have in Jesus, a God who not only sees what hurts us and sees our needs, but he himself, at infinite cost to himself, is the one who protects, heals, and sustains us in himself. Let me pray for us. Father, we thank you for your kindness in Jesus, that when we were your enemies, you still moved towards us. Father, we brought nothing to the table. We couldn't twist your arm into loving us. But because you loved us, you loved us. And you sent your son to die for us. I pray that you would help us to either believe this for the first time or remember again uh, how much joy and love you have over us. Would you allow us to receive that this evening? We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.